What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Well, hey, everybody. Rod, it's the offseason, and again, times we don't expect a whole lot to happen. A lot of stuff's happening at Michigan State, and Dwayne Stevens, the assistant coach for Tom Izzo, who's been the assistant coach for quite a while, a number of years now, has left, and he's got his own head coaching position, which I think Izzo had been working to actively get him a head coaching position somewhere for quite some time. He really, I think he's a pretty good advocate for his staff, which is, I don't know, that seems unusual to me, but maybe, maybe not for head coaches, but... So let's just talk about who he is, what he's done for the uh, ISO program. Um, a lot. <laughs> you know, Dwayne, du- to put it <laughs> put it simply, I mean, Dwayne Stevens has been on staff for, let me think about this, one, two, three, four, five Final Fours. So five of eight of the eight Tom Izzo Final Fours, he's been on staff. And at least a couple of those is the associate head coach. However, he's also got another one to his credit because he was on Tom Crane's staff at Marquette the year they went to the Final Four with Dwayne Wade. So he's got six individually. Not a lot of assistant coaches out there with that many Final Fours under their belt. And and again, not just as a free rider. Dwayne Stevens had a lot to do with the composition of those teams via his importance in recruiting. Um, he had a lot to do with coaching. He'd been the associate head coach for a long stretch here um, during the last 10 years or so. And um, specifically with big man development, he had a lot to do with that. So uh, you, you can't overstate his importance, I think, in what he meant to this program. And, you know, I'm sure all our listeners realize you're talking about a guy who was a player at Michigan State was on a Big Ten champion uh, and a Sweet 16 team as a player. Uh, so he had a lot of success as a player, but he's a Spartan through and through. And it's it's unfortunate in that sense that he's left, but this is long overdue in my mind, and I'm sure in Tom Izzo's mind. You mentioned he's been trying to get him a job, but it, it, part of the reason that he was still at Michigan State is it's never been – practice for Michigan State for guys to just go get a job. It's usually that they leave for the right job. And if you look back at where guys have gone, in in large part, they've gone into good situations. Um, Tom Crean, his first job as a head coach was at Marquette. Well, that was a great first job. It's a good job, yeah. Brian Gregory's first job as a head coach was Dayton. 
that's a fantastic first job. Fantastic. Um, Stan Heath got the Kent State job, which normally you wouldn't think would be a spectacular gig, but it happened to be in that instance because they had their head coach, Gary Waters, had taken them to the Sweet 16. I believe the Sweet 16 the year prior. He left to take the Rutgers job. And so Stan Heath walked into a situation where he had a team that went to the Elite Eight his first year at Kent State with Antonio Gates leading the way, by the way, the NFL Hall of Fame tight end. Um, and Stan Heath parlayed that the next year he was the head coach at Arkansas. So there was a long stretch of guys getting the right gigs. More recently, it, it hasn't been quite the same. Mark Montgomery took a job at Northern Illinois, which has always been considered a tough spot in the Mac. And he lasted a long time there. I think he did almost 10 years before coming back to MSU this season. But um, he, uh, he was not ever able to quite get it turned around, but I don't know that that's so much on Monty as it is on that job. Doug Wojcik's first job head coaching job was at Tulsa, another cradle of coaches, a coaches kind of gig, a great place. Um, Monty was an exception and, I think Mike Garland, when he took the Cleveland State job, that's not an easy job. Uh, but I also think it was questionable how much Mike Garland really wanted to be a head coach. I got the sense at the time, I remember hearing that Izzo really had to push him to take that gig. And, you know, when he when he left there, he came right back to MSU and he's never even remotely been on the radar for another head coaching job. Just some guys don't want it. That was not the case with Dwayne Stevens, from what I understand. But he was going to be very selective in terms of the kind of job he wanted, you know, for that first head coaching job. I think he did have opportunities that people didn't necessarily know about that he passed on. Um, Western is not an easy job in some respects. You know, they've, from what I understand, they've got some facilities issues there that need to be addressed. Um, but him being able to stay in the state of Michigan, I think gives him a fighting chance to get that thing on track. And, and I know this much, uh, Greg Campy at Oakland, Stan Heath at Eastern and Tony Barbie at central Michigan, who are really the, the guys that he's going to compete with for in-state players and for region players, at least can't be happy about this because Western Michigan for a long time, Steve Hawkins was there for forever. And Steve Hawkins was a good coach, but he wasn't known as a great or dogged recruiter. And the last couple of years, they haven't had much of a recruiting presence. Well, Dwayne Stevens can recruit. And, and I suspect the neighborhood just got a lot tougher for those other guys, particularly Campy, who more than the other two I mentioned, and you could throw in Mike Davis at U of D too. Um, Campy is a guy who's really made the Oakland program the third best program in the state over the last 20 years, not exclusively, but in large part on the backs of the kinds of players in Michigan that used to go to the Mac schools. You know, if you can remember, if you're old enough like, like me to remember years where Mac schools used to fairly regularly make uh kind of David and Goliath kind of runs in the NCAA yeah, tournament. Right. Eastern Michigan did it a few times. Central had some years where they did it. Um, I mentioned Kent State went to an Elite Eight. Uh, Miami of Ohio when they had Wally Zerbiak. 
Um, you know, Ball State had some great teams. Um, Indiana State. Under uh, Rick Majerus. Well, that was Missouri Valley. Well, that was Missouri, Missouri Valley. Valley but, <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, I mean, the MAC used to be a great basketball league, and it, it's it's faded a little bit. There's no question about that. I think the Horizon, which Oakland and U of D are, are members of, has actually supplanted it in terms of basketball quality year in, year out. But the Mac doesn't have a lot of guys who recruit the way Dwayne Stevens does. And I have a feeling you're going to see Western Michigan's talent level go up a notch. And then with Western, you know, when they talk about facilities, I've heard, and I verified, but it sounds like Western has to share their basketball court. And that's the main problem that they, they don't have a practice. Facility. So when they want to use the basketball, when they want to practice, they have to, fight the women's right. basketball team, the volleyball team, and other people who are using that same facility. Yep. And so those, this those is, are the problems of these smaller schools, right? Trying to, whether you can invest the money to get right. the facilities that you need. I, but I, I do think, you know, I'd be surprised that if DJ shows some initial signs of success, if he's not able to marshal, I have to believe that was part of their discussions when he took that job, you know? Um, but it is tough from an MSU perspective. The thing that I'm happy on two levels, one that a guy who clearly earned this a long time ago is finally getting his chance to run his own program. That's, that's important. And because, especially because he's a Michigan state guy through and through, um, you know, you have to really like seeing that the other end of it is this ongoing discussion and worry on the, part of MSU fans, but what comes after Tom Izzo? And I think if you look around college basketball, there's a couple things that should become very obvious to you. The, the state of affairs as it exists in 2022. One is that it is very rare anymore for guys who are established big time coaches to leave for another school. It just doesn't happen very often, um, less so than it used to. And that's, I think, in part because of the way that TV money has exploded for all the Power Five leagues, especially the Big Ten, SEC, and then to a lesser extent, the other three leagues. So schools have the ammo financially to keep guys around. You know, I'm old enough to remember where Arizona state was able to get bill Frieder to leave right. Michigan, Arizona got Lute Olson away yeah. from Iowa. That would never happen these days. Never. There's no way. Um, and, and, and so that's the first thing to keep in mind. If you have dreams about some guy who's been killing it at another power five job with rare exception, Michigan state would not be able to get that guy. Not just Michigan State. Like Nate Oates. People always talk about Nate Oates yeah. at Alabama, right? Like you're gonna. Well, first of all, they wouldn't hire, but uh, for well, other right. for other reasons. <laughs> but um, but right, it's you know Alabama has the same kind of TV money that Michigan State has access to, and the SEC as a league has decided to spend on basketball programs, which they didn't used to do. But you look around now. You look guys like Rick Barnes. You look at uh, Bruce Pearl. You know. Um, obviously Calipari, you know, others, but uh, Alabama probably isn't losing Nate Oates anywhere. The only exception to that is if you have a unique situation, like you have friction between a coach right. and an AD 
or coach and a school president, then, you know, anything's possible. But by and large, you're not going to get power five guys to move. The, the, the one exception to that would be like you, you saw, because um, I consider the Big East, I always talk about power five plus one, because the Big East in basketball terms is a power conference. But not everywhere in that league is it a power conference financially. And so that's one reason why Maryland was able to go in and take uh, Kevin Willard away from Seton Hall. So you could see that kind of move, you know, that kind of thing will still happen, but by and large, the guys in the established big time conferences aren't moving. So that's the first thing. The second thing is look at the other elite programs that have lost head coaches recently. So last year we had Roy Williams leave North Carolina. What do they do? They hire Hubert Davis, who was an assistant on his staff, to replace him. And he got to a Final Four, so they got to be pretty happy after a trying yeah, regular right. season. They're feeling pretty good right now. Duke, Krzyzewski went on his year-long, see you so long, <laughs> thanks for all the memories tour. Um, and they replaced him with John Shire, who was on his staff for a long time. John Shire will start in that job next year, we think. <laughs> There's always these... These voices out there say, oh, okay, might want to come back for one more. I would love to see it because it would be such a circus and it would do nothing but harm to Duke. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's actually going to be Which teams sharp. take back that rocking chair they got him? I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> um, and we just had it with Jay Wright. So Jay Wright, shocking to most people, retires from Villanova. They hire Kyle Neptune, who had been at, was it Fordham? He had been somewhere else. I'm, trying, I'm struggling to remember which school he had been at, but I think he'd only been there a year. He had been on Jay Wright's staff for years, and so they brought him right back to succeed Jay Wright. The lesson you should be drawing is when, whenever Tom Izzo decides to go, absent you know a huge scandal, Tom Izzo is going to select his successor. He just is. Right. So accept it. It's going to happen that way. You're not going to go out and hire Mark Few. You're definitely not hiring Jay right now because he's out of the business. You're just not doing that. It's not happening. So I think it was very important for Dwayne Stevens as the guy with tenure, with at least theoretically enough years of coaching in front of him to make it a possibility. You know, I think DJ is like 51. Mm -hmm. Um it was important that he get an opportunity to run his own program because right now Michigan state doesn't have a lot of irons in the fire. As I see it, they've really got two guys you would look at right now and say, okay, these could be the two viable candidates. Most likely one would be Dwayne Stevens. And that would have been true if he had remained on staff as an assistant, by the way, the other would be uh, Drew Valentine at Loyola. And Drew Valentine didn't play at Michigan State. He played at Oakland, but he was a grad assistant at Michigan State. His father and his brother played at Michigan State. He grew up in Lansing, played at Sexton High School. Drew Valentine is the other name that I think very seriously would be in that mix, assuming that Izzo were to make a decision in the next you know, four or five years to leave, which I think right now, uh, who knows what will happen? You know, it could come like a bolt from the blue at any time. And I guess it wouldn't be totally shocking, but right now I don't see any signs that anything's imminent on that front. He seems committed to continuing and winning another title, getting back to a final four. He doesn't want to go out 
you know, on the last two, what's happened the last two years. He wants this thing back where it's been. Um, so that gives both DJ and Drew enough time to continue to build a resume. You know, Drew, great start, went to an NCAA tournament his first year as the head coach, but that was with Porter Moser's players. Now, the, the other argument I can make is Drew Valentine was the main recruiter on staff for those teams. So he had a lot to do with getting those guys, just the way that you would say it about DJ in regard to all of Izzo's teams. He had something to do with putting that together, but it's still different when you're the head coach. So I think we need to see more from Drew Valentine at Loyola starting this year when his, his program, oh, by the way, moves from the Missouri Valley to the A-10. So they're going up a level in competition, or half a level in terms of quality of competition. So um, I'm, I'm of the belief that if you're an MSU fan, you want as many legitimate possibilities out there as possible. Right. It may make sense, right? You, yeah, you want as many choices. And, and it, if you're a Michigan State, you know, athletics, you want to see how Dwayne Stevens can manage. I mean, if it, if he goes to Western Michigan, it's a disaster. You're like, wow, we avoided that problem. We thought he was going to be great. It turns out he's not right. This stuff is all about the timing. If Tom Mizzo had left before the 2000 or after the 2010 season, when uh, the Cavaliers came in hard after him, if he had left, the head coach was going to be Brian Gregory. That was my understanding. Brian Gregory has taken himself out of contention for that because he hasn't done a good enough job as a head coach. And he's had a lot of years. And I think he's, I think he's at his, third stop now Dayton Georgia Tech and South Florida he just hasn't won enough to where he'd yeah. be a legitimate option anymore you know Doug Wojcik I think you know being back at MSU now I think he's done with being Mark Montgomery probably not a legitimate name because the Northern Illinois run was not very impressive Stan Heath he, he got back into head coaching at Eastern Michigan but he's not you know Tom Crane was never going to be the guy um so we need names and, and I feel better with DJ getting an opportunity to run his own program. If the day comes when MSU has to look for a successor, when it comes that if he's had an opportunity to build Western, um, that will, that will get support behind him a lot easier than if he was just coming from the assistant coaching staff and drew Valentine, you just want him to continue to have success at Loyola. You know, so to me, sure. those are the two guys right now that would seem to be viable names. But um, you never know. The only way it could get outside of the Izzo tree, in my view, is if just none of those play, none of those people seem to be legitimate options when the moment comes. And right. then maybe, but he's still going to have a heavy voice in determining. Yeah, if there's any question, is. he's going to he's he'll be very influential in in what they end up doing there. Just and, like these other guys, right? It's the same sure. thing. Izzo is to MSU as Krzyzewski was to Duke, as Jay Wright was right. to Villanova, et cetera. Same thing. Yeah, and 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 I think, you know, the most important point is that no one wants to hear, but you have, I mean, is obvious, if when you step back and think about it, it's, it's unlikely that you have a Hall of Fame coach sitting in the, the bench behind your Hall of Fame coach. I mean, it's possible, right? right? I mean, the, the almost a certainty is whoever you hire is going to be, not as good as Tomazo. Now, maybe he will grow into become successful in other ways, or but it's extremely unusual that you'd have someone that successful. I mean, you look at even at uh, North Carolina or at uh, Kentucky, they had to burn through some coaches to get to the their coaches who were successful. That's right. Uh, you know, right? That's right. And so it, 
it's Billy, you're going to have to have patience. But, yeah. yeah, right. I mean, it. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a guarantee. And I think you see some a team like Indiana, and that's a team that had brief success with Tom Crean, but has never Wait, recovered look, from from firing. You, Bobby you Knight. and I, you and I are old enough to. If I if I start reeling some of these names off, if you look back at <laughs> the 1980s, who were the superpowers in college basketball? Georgetown. Well, Georgetown had some years of success with John Thompson III kind of rejuvenating things, but then it fell off a cliff. They still haven't gotten back. St. John's under Louis Carnesecca, nosedive through multiple head coaches, multiple guys. Nobody's figured it out. Um, UNLV. Was at some point. DePaul. DePaul was a massive, massive superpower when I first started paying attention to college basketball. They haven't been relevant in 30 years, give or take. Um, you know, it's, uh, you mentioned Indiana. I mean, there've been some blips where they've had a year here or there where they've been relevant, but nowhere close to what they were under Bob Knight. It's a, it's a hard, hard thing to do. Um, there are places where that kind of move has been successful. I think if you look at Purdue, you'd have to say, right. That's gone pretty well. Say that. yeah. Yeah. Matt Painter succeeding Gene Cady. That's gone pretty well, but they're also not, they haven't really contended for national titles either. Well, I, they didn't you know, say it's just like, just like Katie, right? I mean, they've almost got, right. it was almost, you got the same level coach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so there's, there's, there are those examples. Um, Kansas has been able to do it through multiple guys. They've never really, I mean, you got to go back to the seventies or early or eighties or to find a year where they really had a downturn. Um, it's rare there, but yeah. It, it's a hard thing to do generally. So you're right. You you should, and I say that to people all the time. If you've got complaints about Tom Izzo, just wait. Yeah, right. Well, just I mean, wait till he's not around. Fan. Right. And UCLA I'm not saying said. because I'm right. UCLA, there's another example. How many guys? And they have blips. They have these periods where they would be relevant. But then inevitably there'd be a downturn. You know, John Wooden's not walking through that door. And, and that's... That's just reality. So people have to accept that no matter who it is, the likelihood is that they're not going to do it at the level Tom is it. I mean, you know, if you look at MSU, well, I was just going to say, if you look at MSU football right now, although it's early, I think there are people who would say that Mel Tucker has a chance perhaps to elevate the program from where Mark D'Antonio had it. It's possible because he's clearly recruiting differently and I think will recruit at a different level. And last year gives you some hope that he may be able to actually get results um, on the field. But one, we don't know that for sure. Two, for as great as Mark D'Antonio was, and he's the best MSU coach of of my conscious lifetime, um, he and Tom Izzo, not even close. Tom Izzo is in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Eight final fours. Eight. I don't. I think people around here get very, very jaded about what that means. The odds of finding another guy who's even going to tread water at that same level, very small. Very, very small. Yeah, and you watch all these other teams that are sort of in the wilderness, like again Illinois, and just look at teams the Big Ten that really struggle. How many years did Michigan go without making an NCAA tournament? A decade, right? I think it was about Probably, a decade. Probably, yeah. LRB and, yeah. I mean, they were, Yeah, it was close to a decade without a yeah. tournament bid. Not one. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
so let's go talk briefly about what Stevens does because uh, you said he's instrumental in recruiting. So he's like all the assistant coaches. I'm sure they've developed a relationship with all the players they're recruiting and some more than others. Uh, when it comes to coaching, let's talk about before we talk about games. Let's talk about what he what his what needs to be replaced. I guess when he with the next person who comes in because well. Uh, is he with the def- he? I think he did the, like the defense stra- defensive strategy with game prep too, right? He was, uh, yeah, but all, all their guys have always, are always involved in that stuff. I think the two primary things you probably look at would be specifically big man coaching, because at least uh, unless they replace him with with somebody who also fits the mold, um, they don't have anybody on staff, and I would guess they probably won't hire anybody to replace him who actually played as a big man. A DJ was a three slash four. He was a hybrid, but he did play some in the post. So he actually knew that he was MSU's big man coach. They're unlikely to have anybody who has that level of experience, but that doesn't mean they can't find somebody who's very good with big men. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing is, DJ was the guy who managed substitution patterns. So for all of those who scream about is those substitution patterns, Dwayne Stevens had part. I'm not saying he was the sole voice. Izzo certainly had a voice as well. But DJ was the guy that was tasked with that in games. So those are the two things that come immediately to mind. Yeah, I would, and I would say the one that I hear people complain about the most is, of course, substitutions. Like a guy gets hot and then he's coming out because he's played his – five minutes or right. they want to get out for the under four break or whatever right. it is, you know, uh, do you see, do you think that's going to change much? Or do you think Izzo actually has more control? I don't know. Or- it kind of, it kind of depends on, you know, you would, you would think not because I, I, while, while Izzo certainly gives a level of independence and responsibility to those guys, I, I don't think they're, they were doing things that he didn't like. Because that wouldn't have continued very long, right? So I I would kind of think it not in with one caveat to that. If MSU were to enter a season where they just didn't have the kind of depth that they normally do, and so maybe you had, and there have been a couple years over Izzo's tenure where it was kind of that deal where you know maybe they only had about eight guys they could really count on. You might see them not substitute quite as often as they normally do because they wouldn't be running as much because they would need to preserve the guys they felt they could actually play. You know, I think that would be, that would maybe change it, but just as a general approach, no, I don't think I'd, I'd expect it to change. And I honestly don't know who will get tasked with that. Um, You know, part of, part of me would tend to think maybe, yeah, it's a tough call because Doug Wojcik and Mark Montgomery both have about the same kind of experience as head coaches. So I don't know. It's a, it'll be interesting to see. And I think, you know, to our earlier point about the, the coaching pool, you, you assume whoever he brings in as an assistant is going to be younger and probably will be, I Maybe. think he'll be of a mind that it might, it, it may be a successor to him, right? I think that it would be the, maybe you call the third option. You have the two people who are out coaching, uh, right now, Valentine yeah. assumes, assuming they're sort of the the short list, that this person would potentially be that third person who could be called upon when Tom hangs it up. What? Because we assume that the two who are there right now, or was it three coaches, are not going to move. You'll still have, he's looking to bring in a, a number two. Uh, 
what do you think he's looking for in a person without going, we're not going to talk about names because well, there's not been a whole lot of discussion at that, this point. I, I would just, I'll, I'll mention a couple names at the end, just names that I've heard, but it's, yeah, there's not much. It's, it's been kind of tight lipped. Um, he's talked about it. He did. He said in an interview, he wants somebody who can be focused on the portal on NIL that sounds to people. And he even acknowledged, it sounds like a younger guy. But I don't think that's 100% automatic. It's very possible that it goes that way. Um, but th- those are the things he's mentioned. And then obviously he, he wants a guy who he thinks can actually coach, which means, you know, there are some programs out there. I would say, you know, people, too many people get obsessed on the and got at MSU more than ever, unfortunately, now with regards to the portal, they get obsessed on these football to basketball comparisons. They are very, very different sports in terms of how recruiting works. Football is such a massive operation that and, and you have position coaches. and It's just so different that assistants have a much bigger role in the recruiting process. In college basketball, generally speaking, the head coach is the guy. He's the guy who's the closer. He's the guy who signs off on, we're going to recruit this kid. And he's the one putting time. When you look at Michigan State, that's the assistants have mattered. Dwayne Stevens was a big part of their recruiting success. But Tom Izzo is the guy. Make no mistake. So the only exception to that is there are programs out there, one might begin the first letter with I and the last letter S in the Big Ten, who hire guys who really aren't coaches per se. They're hired for, in the old days, they'd be hired because they had relationships with so proverbial bag men. So they were the guys who had relationships that would allow you to buy players. Um, That still goes on. It's not the same thing. But, you know, Illinois hired a guy whose experience in large part uh, was in AAU basketball and as a trainer um, who's currently on their staff. And he was a big part of the reason they landed Ty Rogers from Saginaw. Um, He was a big part of the reason that Romeo Weems went to DePaul instead of Michigan state. Um, So there are still programs that do that. Michigan state obviously is not one of them. My point in all this is saying Michigan state is not going to hire a guy and say, even despite what Izzo said about, you know, wanting a guy who can really get focused on NIL and on the portal, they're not going to hire a guy who that's all they do. They're going to hire a guy who can be a well-rounded coach. And so that's that's what they're going to bring in. They're not going to hire a glorified bag man. They're just not. So, And those are the only guys who as assistants can make a huge difference in recruiting, but they make a huge difference because – they're not playing on the right side of the, the coloring outside the lines, you know? Right. Yeah. So, so I mentioned my point in all that is just to say, whoever Michigan state brings in will be a guy that is well-rounded as a coach that they believe can actually play a role in developing players in developing strategy in scouting in all those areas. That's what they're going to do. And someone to your point. So someone who's going to, maybe focus on NIL or some other, or the tra- or the portal or something a little bit more that may be sort of their extra focus and responsibility on the coaching staff, but that's not right. the, 
the, the entire it's not going to be the only thing they do. I just right. think about there, there's a guy, and I'm drawing Vince Morrow is his name on the football staff at Kentucky, and nominally he coaches their tight ends. But his whole deal, as I understand it, I hope I'm not being unfair to him, but this is what I've heard, is his whole deal is recruiting. That's what he's there to do is to recruit players, not really to coach them, to recruit them. You don't have room for that on a good basketball staff. Some schools do that, but it's not a sustainable way of winning over the long run, in my view. Um, and Michigan State's just not going to go that route. Yeah. Well, and then you mentioned some names, so why don't you give yeah. our fans some idea of who's at least been mentioned in, in passing? Well, there, there's a couple of guys that are at least worth tossing out there on staff already, um, both in non-coaching roles as of yet. But Matt McQuaid and Austin Thornton are both on the Michigan State staff this year. They were on the staff. Um, and I did hear their names mentioned as as young guys who um, who might get some consideration. It, it still feels to me like maybe they're not quite ready to be tabbed. You know, if you if you look around, the guys that Izzo has brought in. So when he hired Mark Montgomery, when he hired Dwayne Stevens, you know, the former players that have been on staff, those guys had actually gotten – so Dane Fife had been a head coach before he right, came yeah. to Michigan State staff. So those guys had gotten some experience elsewhere. That's what leads me to conclude he probably wouldn't go with McQuaid or Thornton just yet. He would Now, as it stands, DJ took one of the other grad assistants with him to be on his Western staff. Um, but uh, he didn't take Matt or, or Austin. Uh, I think those guys are, it's probably a little early. That would be my guess, but I, I want to mention it because I've heard their names mentioned. Um, another one that I think is probably not likely, but at least we're thinking about Thomas Kelly, another former player. He was just, he'd been on Western staff for several years, going back to Steve Hawkins and DJ has retained him as part of his staff at Western. I would tend to think he's probably not going to be the guy, but another younger guy, he's in his 40s, um, who maybe would be in that mix. One name I heard recently in a couple different places is um, Chris Fowler. Chris Fowler played basketball. This is kind of the Drew Valentine scenario a little bit. Chris Fowler didn't play at MSU. He played at Central Michigan, where he was a really good player for them. He was a guard. He's the younger brother of Benny Fowler, the great MSU and NFL wide receiver. So he's got an MSU connection that way. He was also a grad assistant on the Michigan State staff, I think for two years, at least one, maybe two, uh, prior to getting a job at Northern Arizona, where he is currently on their staff. I have heard his name mentioned, and that would fit the mold where a guy goes elsewhere to get his feet wet, actually being on the coaching staff as opposed to a support role. And then Izzo brings him back. Uh, everything I've heard about him, he's highly regarded. Uh, he's certainly a younger guy. I think Fowler, I believe, is still in his 20s. Um, so he would fit that mold. People who think MSU staff is too old, he would be the kind of guy, <laughs> at least in terms of his age, that you would like to see. Um, but we'll see. That was one name. The name that is not that that I had heard, and a couple of people have since said, He's on the list, but probably as a backup, and I don't know what that means, is Tom Crane. Now, Izzo has shown a willingness to bring guys back. I mean, Mike Garland 
Doug Wojcik and Mark Montgomery have all left the nest, gotten head coaching jobs, and then come back to be part of Michigan State staff when they lost those jobs. So it is not beyond him to do that. Tom Crane is in a little different category, though, because Tom Crane was a high-profile head coach for a long time. I mean, for 20-some years. Um, But I've heard his name enough that I would say it's at least a non-zero chance that he would be the guy. I'm not sure how high a percentage I would assign to it. Probably not very high, but I wouldn't rule it out completely. And then I'm guessing there, you know, this is where when, when you're looking for the possibility of a guy coming in from outside the Izzo Michigan state tree, this is the kind of spot not to replace Tom Izzo, but this is the kind of spot where I could see it because he has done that on a couple of occasions. You know, you could argue Dane Fife at that, although Izzo certainly recruited him hard, but he didn't play at Michigan state. He hadn't coached here. He didn't have a family member involved. So that was one. And then Doug Wojcik was an example of that where he, he had no Michigan state connection when Izzo brought him in. So I think that's where maybe you could see somebody come in from outside the tree in this role, maybe. Um, but we'll see. It's still early. I don't get the sense there's any urgency. And um, yeah, no idea where they're going to land on it at this point. Well, as soon as we get a name, we'll make sure we get that information to everyone. We have a show and talk about the person, uh, whoever it is. And again, there's a lot of stuff going on. So we're going to have probably a lot more content than we had anticipated even here because yeah. just things are changing Port- so much with transfer portal, portal and portal coming stuff. and going and and it it should be mentioned we're recording this on what is it april 24th so there's six more days after today for guys to opt to enter the portal that doesn't mean they have to make their decision as to where they're going to go but it means they have to declare if they're going to transfer if they intend to and so we're coming to the end of that period where, where that could happen. And, and that, that will be big. Um, that will be big for Michigan state for sure. Um, to see what other possibilities might end up entering the portal. Um, I can tell you that it, without going into details, because we, we just don't have enough information to do that just yet. It is wild out there in terms of the things <laughs> that get discussed and we'll just have to see where it all, where it all lands. Yeah. And um, I think but, the other date to is June 1st, right? That'd be when players have to remove themselves from the draft. Um, so see. if they want to come back, I think to college. Uh, remove name. I'm just checking on that because I wanted to say it was June 15th. It's in June for yeah. sure, but I'm, I'm not positive if that's um, June 1st. So, you are correct. Cause the draft so, itself so it's is June 23rd. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's yeah, like, basically that five weeks, sweet spot. Yeah. 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 So. And, and obviously, you know, to remind people, Max Christie, as of now, is in that process. Um, right. So he but he's not he into does. the portal, but he's he is. Nope, we had, we had mentioned some other players that potentially could come, but it is a strange recruiting process that everything's just totally 100 percent free agency. Right. It's kind of a. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a very a, a, it's a new. World. Absolutely. Two years. It's changed radically. Well, Rod, I think that wraps it up. Until next time, the final four is now on the schedule. Go green.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.